Welcome to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Claire Sutcliffe. She's the co-founder of Code Club. This is Technotopia. If you have an online or brick-and-mortar business, you know you need a website. But how do you build it yourself? You need a designer, a technologist, a web guru, a hosting service, right? No, you need our latest sponsor, Squarespace. All you need to use Squarespace is your own skill at selling what you love. Squarespace is the easiest way to set up a website I've ever used. I make a few dozen websites a year, and I've used Squarespace extensively since they started. They offer beautiful templates created by world-class designers, powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online, and the ability to customize look and feel, settings, products, and more with just a few clicks. They have built-in analytics that help you grow in real-time and search engine optimization, which helps you get higher rankings. They have secure hosting, and they make sure you don't need to know a single thing about hosting before you start. It's as easy as pressing a button. And if you need help, Squarespace is there 24-7. I want you to try it. I really think you'll like it. Head over to squarespace.com techno for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code techno to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com techno to give it a try. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today, they show we have Claire Sutcliffe. She's the former co-founder. I guess you're always the co-founder of Code Club and currently a consultant in uh, in tech and education. Uh, welcome. This should, this should be. Yeah, so this is, I'm a huge fan of uh, Code Club and, and what you guys did with that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you, uh, you worked on there? Yeah, so Code Club um, is an international network of after-school coding clubs for children aged 9 to 13. Um, <clears throat> and it kind of came about because I trained in print design myself. Um, and I sort of started to teach myself like HTML and CSS and JavaScript and stuff because I was realizing I was making like pictures of websites rather than mm -hmm. actual things that worked. Um, and as I was doing that, I was realizing like what an amazing set of skills this was, like to actually be able to make websites that I use. Um, and my mum teaches like year one children; they're kind of like seven, eight, something like that. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I asked her like, "Do they teach this in schools?" And she's like, "Absolutely not." And I thought, "Well, oh, that's such a shame." So I kind of rallied my kind of programmer friends that I'd managed to collect along my own kind of like learning journey. And, uh, and managed to convince some of them that um, if, if like we wrote, you know, projects and stuff for the kids to do, would they go and run kind of clubs for the kids after school for free? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what we did. Um, we launched that in 2012. Um, and it works by like a volunteer going into like a school or a library or a community center. And they take the projects that we've written. It's all kind of available for free online. And they run a club for like an hour for about, you know, 12 to 15 children. And it's absolutely awesome. Mm -hmm. And watch in progress is brilliant. So there's about 13,000 code clubs around the world at the moment. And um, 159 countries is the, is the last guess. And I think there's like uh, 1,100 in the U.S. at the moment. Yeah, that's, uh, that's wild. So I, I remember I, I actually did a code club in, uh, in Brooklyn. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It was a... Uh... It was a good time, and I think the kids really got a lot out of it. We it was the the, the my my son's school right now is teaching computer science, and he brought home a piece of paper that had a little had a little turtle on it that he was supposed to go turn left, turn right, and everything, and he was supposed to write it out in pencil, which was sounded which a was way too primitive for him because he's he's already been programming Python and everything, and b is just so 
uh, low end. They just didn't, they, it's almost like they didn't really care about that, that specific, uh, that specific topic programming. What, what, what were the biggest challenges you were facing when you were trying to get this to, uh, to work? Um, so I guess, um, one of the challenges was, um, like, uh, having schools be receptive to the idea of teaching like computer science and computing, um, whatever you want to call it exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, at that point in time, the government in the UK hadn't changed the national curriculum. Um, they have now, they, they since did it about a year and a half after Code Club started. Um, and now teachers are kind of very quickly seeing the reasons why they might want to have a Code Club in their school, um, partly because the teachers themselves run a lot of the clubs and it means that they can they can learn alongside the mm -hmm. kids, which is very rewarding, you know, on, on both sides, really. Um, another problem we had was um, the kind of equipment that, that schools tend to have. So here in the UK, there's a, a massive variety, um, but it tends towards the low end um, just because of budgets and stuff. So um, a lot of schools had either kind of like a bunch of kind of old PCs um, or they had like a set of brand new like iPads and stuff. Mm -hmm. And iPads are like not much use <laughs> when you're trying to like learn how to code and not use like a kind of learn to code app, you know, like Tinker or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we were kind of like struggling against the, um, against the, the uh, equipment that they had to use. Um, so we ended up writing everything so that it would work offline on a like really super slow network, everything could be downloaded and used locally. Um, so that was a that was a problem. Um, mm -hmm. To some extent, the kind of the problem of the brand new set of iPads continues today. Um, you know, it, you can get yourself a, a lovely set of Raspberry Pis and connect them to, to some um, some monitors that you already have and use the equipment that you already have, and you have a, a much better kind of coding environment than an iPad. How will we be teaching kids uh, in the future? What is what is the uh, what does the future of education look like? Oh man, that is a big topic. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that's a huge topic. <laughs> Thanks for the easy questions. Um, I can I can tell you what I hope it will be like. Um, I hope it will that teachers will still play an incredibly important role in um, in how children learn. I don't think that we should be aiming to get rid of teachers from the classroom I think you know, that would be a pretty crazy situation um, just thinking about like how humans best learn and how they're best encouraged I think having removing removing a teacher from the classroom would be pretty mad um, but I do think that technology has a really important role to play in how we learn and how we kind of find knowledge and how we test ourselves in in terms of what we've learned um, so yeah, I'm not going to be too specific about it. Otherwise, I'll you know, in five years' time, I'll be blushing. Well, I mean, let's blush a little bit. Let's see. Let's what from your experience, what have you seen uh, that works and what doesn't work? Um, so the thing that I believe works is when um, children or people in general, really, not necessarily just children, um, learn skills like for a purpose. I'm a huge like vocationalist, I guess you would say. Is that mm -hmm. even a word? Um, so project-based learning is super important. It's how, it's how I learn best. Um, I don't think I know anybody who like learns best by rote and then tries to kind of put things into practice. I think learning new skills whilst you try and use them at the same time is the best possible way to learn. So um, that's how we um, built the Code Club projects. Um, each one is around like 
you know, you're going to make this particular thing. And in doing so, you're going to learn this stuff, but we're not going to explain that till later. And then you kind of go over what you've learned. And I think that's, I think that's just a really, really exciting way of learning and, um, and kind of, you know, learning your times tables and all of that kind of stuff can kind of get mixed in. Mm -hmm. Will, will we have teachers in the future or will kids be, uh, kids be dealing with, with robots that basically tell them to do X, Y, Z on a daily basis? I really hope we have teachers in the future. I think if you ask anybody like who inspires the most, a lot of people will point to the teachers they had as children. And like, I can't imagine that happening with robots. Can you? That's a pretty bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's the question. How do you get inspired in a world that's that where the inspiration comes from uh, a program, right? And but I guess yeah. the uh, I guess I guess your your answer is fairly simple. Yeah, you don't you don't do it that way. You do uh, you do it with you still do it with humans. Yeah, absolutely. And even when you know robots can be inspirational in their in their own way. I guess like you look at apps and how people try and like gamify exercise or whatever. Um, but there's still humans behind that copywriting, right? And I just think, you know, the likelihood of, of a robot being able to kind of modify its behavior so that it knows how to directly, like, inspire and motivate mm -hmm. an individual child, because that's what you're looking at, a class of, like, 30 individuals, you know? Um, I, think, I think that's very unlikely, but, you know, cool if it can happen. And people get the same good quality education with all the inspiration around, you know, building their projects that they should do. So you're on a uh, so you're basically out of code club right now and you're a consultant. What would be the ideal project? What would you like to build next? Uh, and what should people start? What should people th be thinking about building? Mm. Oh, I'm working on a really cool project at the moment, mm -hmm. actually. Um, so I think that computing can be like super super complex, and if you want to try and like get people into computing, you have to make the way in very easy and very welcoming. And then you can build the complexity over time as they kind of kind of grow their capacity to be able to um, to take on more detail and kind of more levels of of, of abstraction. And um, and so I'm working with a, a company who's building a set of tools, um, a kind of like components, and they click together. You don't have to do any soldering, and they fit really well. They work with the user Raspberry Pi as a hub, and you can build kind of like burglar alarms and you know. Um, like humidity and temperature sensors and all of that stuff. Um, but they're doing it in a way that's really easy to kind of put together and really easy for beginners to use. I think that's super exciting. People can start kind of um, making these things for their own homes without having to order like 20 different components from China and solder them together themselves. It's just not going to happen. But they're also not childish. They're totally, you know, for a whole wide range of, uh, of people. How do you get a how do you get a child interested in that kind of thing? One of the one of the biggest things that I've actually had, and I'm I'm a fairly unique in a unique position where I have a house full of uh, goofy things that everybody could play with, uh, but I can't get them to play for the play with these things for the life of me. Uh, how do you get somebody interested in in that specific topic, or is it just a or is it just an acquired taste? Um, I think that you don't. I I try not to go in with the kind of hey, do you want to play with some computery stuff? Because, mm -hmm. like, typically the answer is no. It's a tool, right? So, like, my question is, what are you interested in? Like, oh, I'm interested in horse riding. Okay, cool. Why don't we, um, like, are you interested in making something that you attach to your saddle that you can, you know, track your um, 
track your route or like how many steps your horse took whilst you were riding it, right? So you go in via their like genuine interests mm-hmm. um, and then try and kind of build an interest on computing in computing on that. What's some of the coolest stuff that you've seen built so far? Oh man, um, I think there's some really really cool stuff around like growing gardens and allotments mm-hmm. and um, kind of little. There's a there's a really cool project in New Zealand. I can't remember what it's called anymore, ah, but uh, Cope of New Zealand are working um, with this uh, organization and they kind of uh, measure the like the soil humidity and they can kind of like track the growth of their various plants and stuff. And I think that's really cool, right? Because they're trying to, you know, it's a project that they're already doing at the school. They're already growing their fruits and vegetables because they're New Zealand and they do everything amazingly well. But <laughs> at the same time, they're building in like computing projects. And I think that's wicked. Hmm. Okay. So some more like gardening, uh, um, whatchamacallit, uh, hydroponics, that sort of thing. Yeah. That's a fancy word for it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is, what does the world look like uh, in 20 years? Oh God. Uh, <laughs> it seems a bit, the world seems a bit volatile to answer that question, but, mm-hmm. um, if we assume that everything's fine and uh, we haven't blown ourselves up, um, what does the world look like? That's a super tricky question. I, I really hope, I hope that it looks like um, lots of people or all people having the opportunity to build their ideas with computers because I think it's a hugely democratizing skill. Um, and hopefully the various governments of the world haven't locked down the internet in a way that stops people from doing that. Mm, okay. The, but what what does so in the in the in the absolute free world that you're envisioning there what does it look like what does it look like yeah. i think it looks like oh man that's <laughs> a pretty exciting question to ask i guess um i would say it looks like um people owning their own data mm-hmm. um it looks like that data being used um to the benefit of each society and we can go into a you know smart cities or whatever they're called Mm -hmm. but i think um the important thing there is that people own their own data um and that it's used um yeah to the benefit of of that particular community and and to the world in general um yeah oh man that's a pretty wide-ranging question i'm not sure (laughs) (laughs) i'm not sure all the answers for that right I like to ask the I like to ask the big questions because it's a because yeah. uh, it usually it's either it's either massively difficult or massively easy for some people and and sometimes when it's too easy it's actually not a not a great answer. All right. <laughs> great. So that 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 suggests that you might be thinking uh, really hard about this stuff as opposed to uh, being able to regurgitate something quickly. Yeah, yes. I guess I'm super focused on this particular <laughs> problem for a while. <laughs> so what's what's next for you? So what are you what are you working on now? Is there a website that folks can go visit? Uh, yeah, you can check out my um, my website, uk, um, and I'm working on um, various different kind of education and technology um, kind of like tools with different startups around the world at the moment. All right. It's a cool life to have. And it's still cool if I run another code club in Brooklyn, or is there, are you angry with them? Oh, no way. <laughs> the, more, the, the more the merrier. All right. I'll come to it as well. All right. Sounds good. Claire Sutcliffe, thank you for joining us. Co-founder of Code Club and now a consultant in education and technology. This has been Technotopia. I'm John Biggs. Thank you for listening. Technotopia.
Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com Technotopia is also sponsored by Jaywalk. Jaywalk is a new app that pays you to walk. You can try it out at jaywalk.me. It's created by me, John Biggs, and a few of my friends. jaywalk.me, please check it out.